I say this with kind of a grain of salt and also being on the other end of, oh, you're just a bendy Barbie. You can do all the postures, you're pretty, you're thin, you can do all of these movements. And then limiting down the entire practice to thinking you have to look like me to even practice yoga versus the philosophy from the asana side of yoga is meant for all bodies. And that's before you even get deeper into the other limbs of yoga. So it's just like this stylized Instagram, a bowl approach or a look or aesthetic of doing the cool yoga poses and being based out of Phoenix. We have so much beautiful geography around. So you just see everyone like posing up in the mountains in Sedona, doing all of these crazy things and they all look the exact same. And there's nothing wrong with looking a certain way, but when it is marketed as this is all yoga is and at the expense of being accessible to other bodies and making people think, oh, I could never do that type of practice because I don't look like that is just such a huge disservice to yoga overall. I know it's not my culture and I don't want to appropriate it by any means, but having that reverence and respect and speaking the names of who your teachers are, what lineages you practice is the way to instill the respect back into something that you just deeply love and has helped you transform as a person without taking it on and being like, oh, this is my version of yoga and you have to look like me to practice it. Yeah, it's so interesting. I find myself not frequently walking that line, but other people occasionally wanting me to put me into that box and say, oh, why do you think like you're just another like white girl teaching yoga? And once we have a deeper conversation, obviously it's not like that. But a lot of our world is digitized on Instagram and that's what people see and their first impression. So it's just very interesting how to walk in reverence and respect for a practice that is thousands of years old. What's good, family? This is Dijon. You are tuned in to the Souls of Society podcast, where we have conversations that inspire compassion, facilitate deeper connection, and allow for co-creation to happen so that we can build the new earth that we were all wanting to experience. Tune into this vibration where we meet at a soul level to let our essences shine through. And if you want to help this community grow, we would love if you would give this podcast a five-star review wherever you're listening, or like, subscribe, and share it with one of your friends. Enjoy the vibrations. And as always, if you want to connect deeper, you can do that at soulsofsociety.com or at, at Souls of Society on all social media platforms. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, what's up, Souls community? Back with a really cool human that I connected with over the past few months, Maddie Miller. Hey, Maddie. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's great to have you. Maddie is a resonant soul, for sure. You can always tell, usually just by the glance in someone's eyes, that's what this project is all about, is just being able to tell if there's some sort of soul resonance and a certain level of maturity on a soul level. And I definitely recognize that in you, Maddie, when we first connected. And since then, I've had the opportunity to take one of your, or a couple of your yoga classes and also experience your writing. And it is very soulful and very deep. So... I'm glad that we have a chance to sit down and connect today. 
Thank you. Yeah, me too. It's so exciting to meet other people who you can have these deep, soulful conversations with. In my experience, I found that it's not every single person who will go there with you. So it's so nice to just connect on that deeper level. 100%. So one of the first things I learned about you was that you were a yoga teacher and I heard about your love for yoga. And I'm just curious if you could share how you got introduced to yoga, like what was your path? And then also maybe what your life was like before you were on the yogic path. Yeah, so that's a pretty good story. And I feel like it's a similar story to many other people who become yoga teachers, but yoga literally changed my life. I fell in love with the practice back when I was in college and I've been practicing for almost a decade now. And I really, loved the practice because it got me back into my body. College was a very hard time of my life. I had lots of anxiety, panic attacks to the point of where like I wasn't able to breathe. And yoga really gave me the mindful practices to stick me back into the present moment, reconnect like my mind with my body so that my mind wasn't running all over the place and controlling my life. And yoga was really the first practice that introduced me to embodiment and living in a more embodied way. Fast forward to 2021, I actually started a wellness program at my corporate job and I started leading morning stretches every single morning for everyone. Everyone loved it. And I got the feedback of, hey, you are really good at this. You're like a natural. Have you ever thought about doing more, teaching other people? And I was like, yeah, actually, I just didn't have the confidence. And in college, I didn't have the means to pursue yoga teacher training. So after I was doing that for a couple of months, I decided to go ahead and just follow my dreams, do yoga teacher training, It was honestly the first decision that I ever made fully for myself that wasn't tied to a specific outcome. As in like when I went to college, obviously that was my decision, but I was going to get a good job and do the whole path that was lined for me. And yoga was the first thing where it's, I don't care what the outcome of this is. I'm just doing it because my heart and soul is asking me to go deeper into the this practice and follow this path. So that was back in 2021. I've been teaching since then and have just been introduced to so many different beautiful communities through yoga that I've really just expanded my understanding and even reach and ability to have these types of conversations with people. Yeah, so I I tie it all back to yoga being the first knock on the door that pushed me through the threshold of just being a soulful being. I love that for you. And was there any particular person that invited you to a yoga class or what was your personal doorway? That was honestly just me finding yoga. I have always been into movement. I played lots of sports as a child all through high school and going off to college I really lost that like team aspect of pursuing some type of movement together and I actually ended up enrolling in like a class that was for credits but it was about yoga 
And we learned a handful of different types of yoga, like yin, restorative, ashtanga, all those things. And so I was consistently from that class, consistently practicing twice a week. I was like, wow, this has really changed everything for me. So then I just started going more consistently, pursuing classes on my own. And then over the years, just deepened my practice. Actually, when I was in yoga teacher training, I went to an Ashtanga-based teacher training school. So my background is very strong in Sanskrit and alignment and more traditional postures. And I've had a couple of teachers through that lineage that have really just opened me up to the traditional practices of yoga. And it's such an interesting thing, the way that we view yoga in the West. It is very exercised and it's very, like I always think, and I've been compared to this before is, oh, just white girl yoga. You wear Lululemon and you can do all the postures and you're super flexible, but that's not really what yoga is. And it's like a beautiful version and it introduces some people to it, but it's really missing the depth and the breadth of what yoga really offers as philosophy to live your life by. You mentioned white girl yoga and a specific type of aesthetic that you would see on Instagram. What would you describe that to be? Lots of things. And it's so funny. I say this with kind of a grain of salt and also being on the other end of, oh, you're just a bendy Barbie. You can do all the postures. You're pretty, you're thin. You can do all of these movements. And then limiting down the entire practice to thinking you have to look like me to even practice yoga versus the philosophy from the asana side of yoga is meant for all bodies. And that's before you even get deeper into the other limbs of yoga. So it's just like this stylized Instagram, a bowl approach or a look or aesthetic of doing the cool yoga poses and being based out of Phoenix. We have so much beautiful geography around. So you just see everyone like posing up in the mountains in Sedona, doing all of these crazy things and they all look the exact same. And there's nothing wrong with looking a certain way, but when it is marketed as this is all yoga is and at the expense of being accessible to other bodies and making people think, oh, I could never do that type of practice because I don't look like that is just such a huge disservice to yoga overall. And that's only on the asana side. Yeah, that's good. I think that you have that awareness and you can't obviously help how you were born or what race you're born into. None of us can, it's just what we're here with, but having awareness of maybe how that translates to like how we're received or what opportunities we have or how we can share the things that we're doing. But it sounds like you have a very strong connection to the lineages from India and that aspect of it really, you give a lot of reverence to. Yes, definitely. And just going back to it, because I know it's not my culture and I don't want to appropriate it by any means, but having that reverence and respect and speaking the names of who your teachers are, what lineages you practice is the way to instill the respect back into something that you just deeply love and has helped you transform as a person without taking it on and being like, oh, this is my version of yoga and you have to look like me to practice it. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I find myself not frequently walking that line, but other people occasionally wanting me to put me into that box and say, oh, why do you think like you're just another like white girl teaching yoga? And once we have a deeper conversation, obviously it's not like that. But a lot of our world is digitized on Instagram and that's what people see and their first impression. So it's just very interesting how to walk in reverence and respect for a practice that is thousands of years old. Yeah. I think that it's in the time that we're living in, a lot of things that weren't being said or hurt that people have experienced is coming to the surface. And I think that's an important aspect of healing. But a lot of times the way things are coming out is in a duality mindset, right? Because mm-hmm. certain lineages of yoga, of course, mm-hmm. come from India, but there's different lineages that come from Africa and come Native Americans. And there's different words for life force like prana or chi or ashe. So all of these things are different cultural understandings of the same thing. So on the one hand, I do think it's really important to acknowledge like where you're getting something from, especially if you're coming from that lineage, but it's also meant to be for all beings, right? Like it's a way of communing with oneness. So when you start to differentiate, no, this is mine or this is the oldest one. It's, I don't know that really matters because ultimately it's about connecting from a place beyond that. And that's an interesting dualism where I'm not gonna act like race doesn't exist. Of course, we have different experiences based on the color of our skin and different opportunities. And also to be able to see beyond that, appreciate the differences and see beyond that at the same time, I think is a point of nuance that we're learning as a collective at this time. And yeah, thank you for that insight. And I see that with conversations that I have with many people is a lot of the times we don't even have the language for the nuance yet. And we're still learning, like physically learning that nuance to then integrate it into the way we speak about things. And duality is such an interesting concept because we need duality to even understand like the contrast of experience. And a lot of times when we learn something, figure out something, especially a bigger concept, we define it by what it is not. So think like hot or cold. What is hot? Like at what temperature do you find, do you define that something is hot versus cold? There is no one point, it's a spectrum. But by using the contrast between hot and cold, we can then define what the other is. So there's this very interesting interplay of understanding that like the first step is breaking apart into the duality and seeing it, but then being able to transcend that understanding and realizing, like I said, there is no one point, it's all a spectrum and crossing over into the more unity or oneness or wholeness of the entire experience versus just the small bit that you are perceiving. I 100% agree. It's all about learning how to appreciate our differences while holding the overall perspective of oneness. And I think we do that by being curious about each other and having conversations and learning because I'm black, you're white, but that's just one 
part of the makeup of who we are. So the more we get to know each other as a unique human being with a unique experience and a unique dharma and a unique energetic vibration, then I think just the more interesting life is. And it's hard to project things onto people when you have a deep understanding of them. I feel like the more you understand someone, the more you have compassion for them, the more you feel love for them, and it just creates more harmony. Having said that, I would love to explore more of how you came to be who you are. So like, where are you from? Like, where, when were you born? What was your childhood like? <laughs> Many good questions. Okay, long story short, I was born in Southern California, 1995. I am like the last, I'm the youngest of the millennials, right? So I remember the time when we had the dial-up internet before everyone had a cell phone in their pocket. And that like really shaped my childhood where I was always outside. I grew up in the time of kids weren't allowed in the house. Like you had to be outside playing, doing stuff. And everyone would come back in at nightfall. And through that, it has really shaped my connection with being outside and just really having stronger boundaries around what I put my attention toward, whether that's like screen time or even like the balance of being in nature versus being working or playing. All of that has really influenced the way that I like to just live my life and spend my time. And then fast forwarding a bit, my parents moved to Northwestern Arizona when I was in fourth grade, I believe. A super small town. It's right on the border of California and Nevada and Arizona. So I grew up in the Mojave Desert, spending lots of time on the river, the Colorado River, Lake Mojave, which is connected to the Hoover Dam. So just always outside. My dad is super into like adult toys, as in boats, jeeps, quads, motorcycles, all of those things. And the part that I spent my later childhood in is pretty rural. To go shopping, we would have to go to Vegas for a proper mall. And there's not really a ton of restaurants. And in high school, like what we did for fun, we would drive out past the water tower to have bonfires. We would camp on the river. We would just find ourselves immersed in nature because there is literally nothing to do. Like you had to cross into Nevada to go to the movies. And in the winter, you had to account for the time change. Like it's one of those places where it's just super tiny. Uh, so I've just always had such a deep connection and reverence for nature, spending time outside and not just being so in the bubble of busyness that I think we all catch ourselves in now. For fast forwarding a little more, 2014, I moved to Phoenix for college and I've stayed here ever since. I love Phoenix. I think it's always going to be my home base, but I do see myself traveling all over the world and spending like a couple of months here and there and really just using Phoenix as like a hub. I am a part of a couple of different, pretty big conscious communities here. I have lots of beautiful friends that I've made. But even on that path, it's so exciting to see how everyone kind of experiences this journey completely differently. But then we all come together with these beautifully just 
deeper human experiences that unite us all. Like you think about the alchemical process or the hero's journey. We are constantly experiencing these cycles of change. We just all have very different flavors of them. Anyways, I totally got off track with that. But I love Phoenix. After college, I graduated in 2017. I started working at a marketing and advertising agency. Loved it. Thought I was going to be a corporate girly for life. I had always wanted to work in corporate. Like I love fashion and the clothing and all of these things. But doing yoga teacher training like changed my life. And I was like, oh, I enjoy this. I really enjoy the psychology aspect of marketing big surprise since I'm into like all of these other things that are really psychological and explain the human experience. But I realized I was living such a shallow life and a life like devoid of purpose. And that's really been the slow trajectory of getting me to where I am today of just radically pursuing my purpose and seeking out just expansive conversations and beings and connecting with community and experiencing all these different flavors of life because like life is meant to be lived and we're all on our own cycle we're all on our own healing journey but I don't believe that we're supposed to be healing for our entire life even though that's what some spiritual communities will have you believe that it's just constant healing and work and like life is work but it's meant to be experienced it's meant to be enjoyed you're meant to love you're meant to make mistakes and learn from them it's all a part of the human experience that's where i am today (laughs) that's good wisdom you're 27 got a lot of wisdom at 27 that's good yeah thank you i've been called an old soul a handful more than a handful of times throughout my life do you feel like there was an inflection point when you tapped into that deeper level of awareness? Was it the yoga journey or were you always like that? Yeah, so that's actually an interesting story and we'll get like a little wooey with that. As a kid, I used to have crazy dreams. I would lucid dream all the time. I would like just have these very ethereal out-of-body experiences. And there came a point in time where they started to scare me And I closed myself off from that channel. And that was around junior high. And the dreaming calmed down and all of that stuff. And I really didn't reopen the door to spirituality for a minute. And then in high school, and granted, I come from a pretty small town, pretty conservative, not to bring any specific religions in, but the entire school board was ran by one specific group of people who were very religious and there's like strict rules with all of that stuff. And so you would just hear a lot of discourse of just, oh, this other religion is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And that made me curious. I didn't grow up super religious. My family is Lutheran, but we didn't consistently go to church. We were the people who would like maybe pop in on a holiday. But I was curious and I looked into all of the main world religions. And like we were saying earlier, I realized that they were all saying the exact same thing with different language. I then had a deeper realization that the way that they are translated and presented to the people is through the lens of the person presenting the information. So there is this big realization and disconnect 
of what the original teachings are and what people believe the teachings to be today. So that was back in high school. And that was my first, oh, okay. Like, I don't know if I believe in something bigger than myself, but like, I see the reverence for what these teachings are speaking about. And I see how the masses are confused to be pitted against each other all in the name of whatever religion it is, yet they all say the same thing when you actually read and analyze it for yourself. So that was all that. Then in 2019 was a super pivotal year of my life, and I really took my life into my own hands. I decided to take better care of my health. I started finding hobbies that I was interested in, I was like super burned out before that, just from college, from my job. And I was like functioning on the bare minimum. And 2019, I was like, okay, I'm tired of this. Like I'm going to start enjoying life again. And coincidentally, that year, I discovered more esoteric philosophy. And I was like, oh, I like this. This tickles my brain. And it gave language to everything, like all the patterns that I was able to pick up in life before that point, where I have, and I've always had this ability to really see the connection and the intricacies between things, but I didn't have the language or the deeper understanding of what I was perceiving. So then since 2019, I've just been down the rabbit hole of esoteric philosophy and Yeah, that was really changing. And then like from there, it just keeps compiling on itself. Then I did the yoga teacher training, which really gave even more language, more perspectives. I was like, oh, I love this. And it opened the door to community. Whereas now I have all these different communities that I'm a part of. And we like discuss these things. We think about them from a like social perspective and Yeah, so now it's just compiling and snowballing on itself. But there is like a couple distinct points where I'm like, oh, at the time I didn't realize this was so pivotal. But now I can see that it's gotten me to where I am today. And oh, so way backtracking to the dreams. Now that is something that I am like reintroducing myself to, reopening myself up as, I don't necessarily want to say like channel or anything like that but just being more curious about the deeper meaning of the dreams because they do tend to be very telling and they're not all like prophetic, but some of them are. And I'm like, huh, isn't that interesting in retrospect, just how our consciousness can just play and tell us things like that. That's awesome. So I guess the visionary channeling is one of your gifts. You have other gifts. I guess you have a gift for creating and nurturing community. Yeah, I feel like I'm still figuring out all of my gifts. I'm constantly coming into them. And I think a lot of our gifts can be realized where we feel the most resistance in life because it's our biggest point for growth and opportunity. And nurturing community was one of those where I used to not want to be seen or be in front of people. And it was just self-limiting belief on self-limiting belief. And then cloaked in protective mechanisms from when I was a child. 
And so to be able to unravel that and on the other side, see this wonderful opportunity to be such a connector for people has been amazing. And I'm still figuring out all of the other stuff. And I, it's so funny, like I hate to put myself into a box or give myself a label because I'm like, yeah, sometimes, but that's not always me because we're like such multifaceted beings that it's, oh, I don't want to, yeah, I'll label myself as like a yogi and a sister. But then it's like, you get into the realm of, oh, maybe you're like a little psychic. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. Am I? I feel like I'm not. I don't know. There's always room for growth and improvement. But I do actually believe, though, that I am a little psychic. And it's slowly unraveling to me. I like to play around with just like body intuition and muscle testing, sway testing, all of those things, just to get a second opinion, like a physical opinion on something that'll just come to me where I have this deep-seated knowing about stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how I know that, but I know that. And then it turns out to be true. And I used to think it was my ability to pick up all of these different data points and see the correlation between the two. And I always joke, give me three points of data and I could tell you how these connect on anything. And that in itself is a type of gift. I also think I have a high ability to be discerning, specifically with language that we use. And this could be because I am a big reader and I love writing and all of those things. But I noticed the way that people explain things, like the language is just not adequate for what they're actually explaining. <coughs> Sorry, hold on. I've had a cold for three weeks. And I'm like, why? Okay. I feel better soon. Yeah. Oh, me too. People don't always have the language for what they're explaining, or they will think that they tend to put everything into a box under this one bigger concept. So say like manifestation or something like that. And they think all of these different things and they just like use manifestation and they paint it as this thing versus having the clarity and nuance of the steps that are actually there. And they're like, oh yeah, just manifest your thing. And then that's where a deep discernment within me comes up. No, you're, you may be speaking a truth or your truth, but you're missing all of these other things. And then almost like selling it to people as something that it's not. And maybe it's just because I'm in a couple of different spiritual communities where you have the whole gambit of people on, oh, I'm super science and this is where it lines up with spirituality. And then you have like people who are just deep into conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And it takes a level of listening and like genuinely listening to what people say and then sitting with self and thinking, not even thinking, feeling, how does this sit in my body? How am I taking in the information they're sharing? Where does this resonate with my being? And what is my, not necessarily stance, but am I going to integrate this in to be my truth? And that's not saying you have to like then give a response and tell them, that, no, actually, I think this, and this is true. But it's having that deep level of discernment knowing that everyone has their own truth and some of it will relate, some of it won't, but not just like blanket picking up everyone else's energy and ideas and stuff and really sitting with yourself knowing 
what is true for you and your experience, what resonates, what doesn't. So that is a thing in itself. And I'm really working on just like figuring that out. I feel like I'm in a phase of figuring everything out, exploring a lot, opening new doors, and just being curious about where they lead. So the gifts that I think I have today, I feel like are just a shadow of what is available to me. And I will be continuously unraveling those as I experience life. I understand it completely. And that was a very eloquent explanation of what your gifts are and what the ones are that are developing. And I think that certain psychic gifts are maybe telepathy and other things like that are innate human gifts that we all have access to different degrees and how we choose to live our life and what information we choose to take in and how we choose to develop ourselves will determine how manifested those gifts are in our reality. I've heard stories of families of chess masters where all three daughters were like grandmasters and each one was better than the previous one. Like they became grand wizards earlier. But clearly that was like a function of the environment that they had in their household. There's obviously a genetic similarity, but they were like bred to be that way. And the Williams sisters were bred to be champion tennis players. And those are more tangible physical things that people are moving towards. But we also have these other senses and other gifts that humanity is starting to wake up to. And I feel like on some level, we already acknowledge that we have them. And that's why superhero movies are so popular because we know there's more capacity for what the human being can do than what we're currently doing. So when we see these stories of these superhuman beings, there's something resonant within. I totally agree. And then you even think about our DNA and there's some of our DNA And I feel like they renamed it, but it used to be called the junk DNA, where the DNA was just offline, but we had it, like billions of strands of it. And there's this really interesting idea that is backed by science and it's backed by just like genetic coding and really like changing the genetic code of being able to turn on these different aspects and abilities within self. And simply they're just lying dormant within us, whether that is due to, and I'll give one example, and I'm only speaking about this as a woman, but like the prosecution of women and the prosecution of like women being like witches and you just have centuries and centuries of this fight against women to keep their power down. So at what point in time did it become like, evolutionary better for women not to be as intuitive or not as psychic for the literal like protection of their lineage and the protection of their life. And I think we can look throughout history and we see these pivotal points in times where it became better for our species to like let go of these gifts. And now we're sitting in a time where we are so comfortable, right? Like we don't have to worry about a tiger coming and eating us while we sleep. We don't, most of us don't have to worry about having food on the table or even like livable conditions to be in. So the way we are 
physically built with like fight, flight, freeze, fawn. We now see that translating to anxiety with texting or emails or stuff like that because we need a different output for that type of energy in the same way that I think we see like new gifts being widespread because we now have the capacity to bring them back in, whereas our prior environment taught us to turn them off at certain points in history. Totally. And it's also much more visible now. You can go on TikTok or Instagram and see people channeling or see people saying how to activate certain gifts. So that's validation that one, they exist, and then two, that they can be taught. And as much as being uprooted in society right now, I really feel like it's the most exciting time to be on earth that there's ever been. And since information is free and able to access, really what it's about is discernment. And that's what you said you were in a process of mastery around because your output is determined by your input. So the energies you choose to take in and to nurture within your being is how you're going to show up in the world. And I was noticing the other day when I was at this beach rental and I was like logging into Netflix and I started watching a show like laying down in bed, which is a very common thing for a lot of people probably. And it tells you like what the things are that are in the show. And it, it wasn't like a horror show, but it said like fear, gore, nudity, like murder. And I was just like, if I was describing the show, I wouldn't have described it that way. But then Netflix was saying that all of these elements existed in the show. And recently on Instagram, I saw something about karma and the elites. And people would say, he was talking about kind of conspiracy theories and how the elites avoid karma. And they say they do it because karma is only enacted when you're violating someone's sovereignty. So if you give someone a choice and they choose it, you don't receive any karma from that. And the example he gave was if you sell somebody cigarettes and tell them that they're inhalers and they're going to help your asthma, then you're getting karma for that. But if you put on the box, this will cause cancer and then people choose to smoke it anyway, you, there's no karma for doing that. So the way that relates to Netflix is they tell you. X, Y, Z is in this. And if you're programming yourself with that type of information, that's going to affect your subconscious and your being in some capacity. And I just had that moment of awareness. And I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want that in my consciousness. And I remember in college, a roommate of mine, we used to have a good time laughing about this show called Seventh Heaven. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was like this Christian show and it was like very wholesome. And we would almost laugh at how quote unquote boring it was, but it really was about family and the difficulty in maintaining harmonious connection in a lot of different family dynamics. It wasn't all of the extra titillation. And the older I get, the more I value family and harmony and the intimacy of all those relationships. And anyone who is part of a family knows that like family can be very trying, but they can also be the most rewarding relationships and provide the vehicle for the highest spiritual growth, those intimate relationships.
So I guess I'm just reflecting that I'm also in deeper levels of discernment about what I will interact with and what I will take in, especially from a media perspective, which also influences the types of events I go to and the people that I hang out with because I've had people, I've been in the car with people and been like, do you hear what they're saying in this song? And they're like, I don't want to always listen to like conscious music all the time. And I'm like, there's conscious music that sounds good, (laughs) that has swag or has whatever. But in the same way that I want to eat food with a certain energetic frequency, like I want to consume media with a certain frequency as well. And if people are not in that place, they may be annoyed if you make a comment about something not being on the frequency you want to receive. And then you, I've been finding that I just have to release those connections because I don't want to be in an environment where I feel like my vibration is being lowered and they don't want to be in an environment where they feel like they're being criticized for liking what they like. Totally. Yeah. And such so many interesting points that you bring up to start off one with the people It's so interesting how the ego steps in to be like, no, not my identity over something that you like or relate to. And it feels like a personal attack versus just a comment on what is actually being said or actually being fed to us. And, oh, it's so prevalent with so many people. And I can see that too with the friends that I hold dear to me now compared to my very close friends in the past and just the different depth that we meet each other at and the authenticity that we're able to meet each other at because one, we are, we recognize that we're here for our own spiritual growth and evolution and the other person's where we play a role in the evolution of every single person we come into contact with whether that's just a hello on the train or it's your sister who you live with, right? Like you have an effect, you have an energetic exchange with everyone you come into contact with. And I've noticed not everyone is ready to hold that type of information, that type of knowledge, and they are still comfortable, like not to say that we're living in a matrix, but they're comfortable with the illusion of the world that we surround ourselves with. And that illusion is really perpetuated by media, by what we consume. I like to think, so we made computers in our image, right? What is the best computer on earth? The human brain, our brain, our DNA. Like this is all encoded in us. And while we might not be able to like consciously pull an exact like memory or something when you tap into the subconscious you can have a play-by-play of what you've experienced and even deeper than that the body holds onto this these like emotions that you trap or trauma or you can see it in the way people walk what they're holding on to what their body is holding on to and they're just not consciously aware of it But back to what we consume, if the brain is the best computer, every single thing we put into ourselves is just a little bit of data. Like we are just compiled pieces of data on an individuated experience, holding on to whatever we find relevant or what we like or what resonates with us. 
So it doesn't matter, or I should say it matters what you watch because then you're going to hold on to and maybe not integrate it into a part of your identity, but that's going to be a piece of data that informs how you show up, who you are, how you talk, what your morals are, what you would define as ethical behavior. And it can be as serious as that, or it can be something just like as little as a song and be like, oh, I really like the song, even though it says all of these degrading things. And depending on our personal like level of consciousness, we have the ability to realize, oh, this is putting me in a lower mood that makes me want to, I don't know, drink more or do more drugs or hang out on the couch and be lazy versus, oh, this is something that like really pumps me up and gets me into the energy of wanting to show up as my best or lay the groundwork for whatever project I'm trying to get off. And yeah, it's just so interesting, the play that all of our experiences, specifically with what we consume, has on our being and how we show up. I 100% agree. And at the same time, there is like a certain level of nuance to all that, because I don't necessarily want to become someone who has to isolate themselves from the world to exist because I still enjoy lots of things, but it's just engaging with things with a certain amount of consciousness and awareness so that you cannot hold on to things or maybe do the proper spiritual or energetic hygienic practices afterwards to release them as opposed to just having them be on default. But I feel like the point of life is to be conscious and it is to be a conscious creator and like this goes into a deep wormhole that i think you would enjoy actually but like for instance jesus in my understanding so that i've had this deepening relationship with jesus over the past few years but jesus was the creator of this world and many other ones and as part of his process of self-mastery because no matter what level you're at you're always deepening in your mastery of being a conscious creator he created these worlds and then he actually had to have the experience of living in this world as one of his created beings to complete the mastery cycle he had to ascend within his own creationary cycle so it takes a certain level of awareness to create the human body and to create everything that exists on earth. And we're already doing those things. Like we create art, we create music, we create AI, right? But not always consciously, not always with awareness of how things are going to play out. And that's what we're doing here is getting feedback on, I created this, I did it this way. What was the result? What was the impact? Did it create the impact I wanted? So this journey of becoming a conscious creator is very subjective, but I feel like the kind of non-subjective part is we're trying to create things that are life affirming and life giving. Cause that to me is synonymous with love. Like love is life affirming. Like the sun is a loving being because it's giving us all life. And I feel like our destinies as creators is to 
consciously create the most life affirming things we can. And the uniqueness is we get to do that in whatever way we choose, right? Some people may do it by being a singer and some people may do it by writing or some people may be a farmer or some people may do all of those things. And that's the specificity of what we get to choose. And it's always a new choice available in the present moment, which is really cool. Yeah, I love that you bring that up. I think it's like, for me, that just relates back to purpose. And what is your purpose for creating what you're creating? What is your purpose for choosing this experience over that one? And then having that conscious awareness of where you are on the path as you're experiencing it and taking it back a moment for not wanting to have to seclude yourself from everything. That's not the point of life. Like life is meant to be so intricately lived and loved and experienced. Like we're supposed to throw ourselves head into life because that's where we learn. That's where we grow. That is how we evolve to become that conscious creator. We're not going to know what to do just by reading a book. Reading a book is helpful. It's great for expanding one area of our mind but we have to throw ourselves into the fire, so to say, to get that lived experience to then make the embodied choice of what path do you want to follow? What is your purpose? What do you want to consciously create? Ashe, so if you could articulate your purpose, what would you say? Okay, so I have many purposes <laughs> and it depends on the lens that I am viewing it through. I'll start internally. What is like my purpose? What is my soul's purpose here is just that to experience, to learn, to grow, to love. And if I am doing that, I am in line with my soul path. If I turn it a little more outward, what is the purpose that I have in this world? How would I like to impact the world? I would say, oh, that's so hard because I'm like, each day my purpose becomes more clear. And what I have to say today will probably be different from what I have to say a week from now or a year from now. But today, I think like my purpose and how I would like to show up and impact the world is through bringing conscious language and understanding to these deep human experiences that we all have. We just don't know how to articulate that. Another part of that purpose is being a safe human being. I have cultivated so much safety and love and acceptance in myself that I can hold the space and give permission for others to show up that way. And I speak from the contrast of experience of like never being safe in my own body and never like having the capacity or the understanding of how to show up fully because I wasn't safe in myself until I saw, I didn't even ever really see it like perfectly modeled to me, but I just slowly honed that embodiment within self. And now I realize that I can model that deep safety and I can create the safe space for others to quicken their own journey. But it all comes back to within and like, how am I showing up? How am I being authentic? Knowing that I will never change anyone else. I can just be so authentically me 
and shine the light on an optional path for that person. And then they can choose which way they want to go. But I can just show up as my best self. And that's all I need to do. I need to work on myself, cultivate myself. And by doing that, I will have more impact on those around me than like megaphoning at them. Hey, this is path. This is what to do. I found so much peace because I do yoga. And yeah, I can share that, but that's not that's not the way that's going to get other people to choose a more conscious path. It's by the radical embodiment of being a conscious being. And others are going to be like, hey, I want a taste of that. She's like at peace. She's following all of her dreams. Opportunities like open themselves up to her. I want some of that. What is she doing? So yeah, those are two of my really big purposes. And on the side of being a safe being, I've realized that I am here to help heal the sister wound among women. And this goes deep into like masculine feminine energetics that are completely removed of whatever your gender is or what you identify with, but rather like the bigger energetics at play that are in everything in the world. Coming back to like duality and yin yang, cultivating that safety among women to reconnect the sisters and say, hey, like, On the feminine, there's no reason to feel competitive. Like every gift we have, whether that's our voice or beauty or the way we show up or how we hold space, that is a godly given gift. And it is uniquely given to each individual with our own sprinkle of flavor. So there's no reason to compete or knock the other person down or really funneling up to, oh, I am validated because I'm on top. And this is a position that I have to hold and secure. And not everything necessarily can function under this no competitiveness because you look at the masculine and there is a, a type of competitiveness that like needs to be had based on just survival and different types of roles. And that's not to say that, like, I'm not even going to get into, oh, we're equal. Like, we are completely equal, but we have different roles and our energy plays and expresses in different ways. And by being able to hold a space to help heal that sister wound, not only healing the feminine within women so that we can acquiesce that tight grip that we have on trying to be masculine, trying to prove ourselves as, oh, we're just as good as the men and better. Yeah, but we're a different flavor. Like we can do it in a different way. We can have a different purpose. We don't have to be the exact same. And in fact, being the exact same is a disservice to everyone because now we're at such an energetic imbalance. So I believe it starts with the feminine healing that wound, um, coming back to being a safe and sacred feminine. And then it opens the door for the masculine to cultivate that within themselves too. Cause that's a whole other side of the coin of just like deep shadow work and abandonment of the inner feminine. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the work you've clearly done on yourself to have this level of awareness. And I'm grateful for the work that you're doing and you're very much in touch with your soul and I think that will inspire people. I know it inspires me. So I feel like we got a pretty good snapshot of your soul. I would love to hear as we close out just more about the human aspect of you. So 
let's say it's a Saturday. You wake up. Describe your ideal Saturday, including what time you wake up, and then just take us throughout the day. Okay. Okay. So I'll go with Saturday because each day of the week it's a little different. Usually I like to get up about when the sun rises, depending on the time of year. <laughs> I love to go on a sunrise hike so that I'm at the top of the peak to sun gaze and literally watch the sun come up over the horizon because it's magical. It's beautiful. It's the best way to start the day. I love then going to yoga. One of my favorite yoga classes is at 9.15 on Saturday morning. So 90% of the weekends I'm there. And then I typically like to go to the farmer's market and get all of my produce. I usually run into friends. I have so many friends who just like work at farmer's markets and help out. And I'm like, oh, hi. And it's just so fun running into everyone. Then I will usually maybe go to a grocery store after to fill in the other stuff that you can't always get at a farmer's market. And I'll plan meals for the week. Actually, that's usually more of a Sunday thing where I'll plan the upcoming week. I've been really learning how to cook and like properly nourish my body. I was so busy last year that I ate out like 80% of the time. Granted, it was mostly salad and go, which is like the best fast food place. But I really just let my nutrition go where I was relying on other people to provide that sustenance. So this year I have been focusing more on like cooking more. I make a lot of homemade dressings, my own granola, like energy bars, whatever it is. Like I have figured out how to like make it and I'm like, oh, Cooking is so easy. You just need a couple of ingredients. So I'll spend some time like prepping cooking. I might get some like personal work done. I do a lot of writing. I'm currently working on building myself a website. I have a couple of other things that I'm working on in the future. So I try to spend some time with that. I'm super social. So I usually end up hanging out with friends at least by the evening, afternoon, We'll just walk around downtown or meet at a coffee shop or go to a park. Yeah, and that's usually how I slow down my night is by being social. I'm a huge reader, so sometimes I grab a book. Sorry. Yeah, it really just depends. I don't really watch a lot of TV, so that is a rare occurrence. Although I've been watching a lot of TV because I've just been like, blah, but yeah, I like to get a little taste of everything. Exercise, nutrition, friendship. Sounds like a great Saturday. Yeah, it's nice to like, just do your own stuff. And be like actually choosing what you do. That has been, and this is just a self-reflection, but like I did not care about wasting my own time where I would let the whole day go by and it'd just be like, oh, whatever. And it's like, why? Like, time is so precious. Time is the one thing that is such a valuable resource that we can't necessarily get back. So I'm very intentional. And even like with rest, like I'll take an entire afternoon to rest, but I'm intentionally resting. I'm intentionally unplugging versus just, oh, another day's gone by. I'm going to lay on the couch all day. I hear that. Time is incredibly value- valuable and I want to thank you for taking the time today to share so much of yourself and your perspective and your story. And 
your gifts and I know you have different offerings to bring people together. Are there anything you want to share that people can reach out to if they're attracted? Yes. So lots of things are in the works and I'm very much in a building and prepping phase, but I do on Instagram is a good way to just get a good taste of what I do, what I offer. And that is Soulful Maddie. And that's where I post a lot of my writing. I have a sub stack where I write relatively lengthy articles. Like I start writing and then I just can't stop. And it's like, okay, this is seven pages. And I intended it to be like two. <laughs> so lots of writing. I facilitate a handful of different events, groups, teaching yoga. I do women's groups, some with friends. There's a community organization in Phoenix called Celestial. And I'm good friends with the owner, Shu, and he actually just invited me to start doing women's groups at his place. I have a dear friend, Amy. We do women's retreats together. We have some workshops that will be coming up soon. And I'm definitely missing stuff. Oh, Amy and I have a podcast together. I also post meditations and such to Spotify. I'm still working on Insight Timer because file issues. And yeah, that's everything I can think of now. Like I have lots of really exciting things in the works, but yeah, it's all underground. So that's all I have for now. It's soon to be summer. So I imagine a lot of things will be blooming very shortly. Yeah, definitely. Maddie, thank you so much for coming on. It was really a pleasure to have you on and to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much. This was lovely. Just great conversation. And it's so interesting too, being in the perspective of, have you thought about this recently? Like, how did you get to where you are today? What is your story? I don't find myself thinking through that pattern of reasoning often. So I really just appreciate the opportunity to just travel down memory lane and pat myself on the back for all my growth. You should. You've been through a lot. And if we have another conversation like this in a year, I'm sure a lot will have happened. But you'll also tell the story of how you got to that place in a very different way. So this will be a mm -hmm. good little time capsule. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I already know a year from now, everything's going to be different in the most beautiful way and in the most unexpected ways. Yeah, I agree. I think 2024 is going to be a great year. All right. We'll post the links to the things that Maddie mentioned in the show notes. I'll get Maddie to send them over and reach out if you're in the Phoenix area and you want to explore one of her community events and or her retreats or her writing. There's a lot of cool stuff to tap into. Until next time. Yay. Thank you. All right, that's our episode for today. Hope you felt as inspired and in touch with your soul and your essence as I do after having that conversation and listening to all the wisdom and heart energy shared. Do us a favor to spread the vibe of the community by giving this a five-star review, subscribing wherever you're listening and sharing it with a friend. And if you wanna go deeper, like I said at the beginning, you can do that at soulsofsociety.com or at soulsofsociety on all social media platforms. Thanks for being here. Keep building, keep connecting, and believe in yourself.